11, 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings chapter 11. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to look at the, the um, southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. We have been looking at the northern kingdom, but we're going to switch. Uh, because when we looked at Jehu last week and we looked at what Jehu did, he takes over in Israel, uh, the northern kingdom. Uh, but part of what he does is he destroys uh, the king of, the, uh, of that kingdom, but he also kills the king of the southern kingdom. So the southern kingdom is not going to get uh, a new king. Now, why is the southern kingdom more important? Kind of had to get you going here, get you involved here. Why is the southern kingdom more important than the northern kingdom? The northern kingdom is going to get washed away and going to be gone. Um, the southern kingdom is going to last longer. But why is it more important? Vincent. Okay, Jerusalem and and the temple. Okay, and and. Okay, King David. There has to be a son of King David to sit on the throne. That's in the southern kingdom. It's in Jerusalem. There has to be a, uh, a son. Now, and remember, the enemy knows that, and the enemies uh, would happily wipe all that out if he possibly could. So we're going to look at the southern kingdom. Now, the southern kingdom is much different than the northern kingdom. Uh, the southern kingdom, when the kingdom splits under Solomon... Uh, after Solomon, uh, the, the, the northern kingdom just goes from bad to worse, from wicked to wicked, and they're all wicked kings. Some are more wicked than others, but they're all wicked kings uh, in the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom is not like that. The, the southern kingdom has some kingdom, kings that are actually good and that actually do right. But again, they're human beings, and they have their faults, they have their flaws, and we're going to see some of their flaws uh, tonight. <clears throat> of course, not all their kings... Uh, are good. Not all their kings do right uh, either, okay? Now, next question for you is this. Why are we looking at all this stuff anyway? Why are we looking at the Old Testament? Um, why, why are we following our way through the Old Testament? Is, is, is it just a history book, or what's the purpose of it? Well, <clears throat> the, perp the reason Scripture is recorded is for our admonition. It's to help us. Scripture is recorded to help us, so if we listen to it, we're going to find it to be helpful. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 3 before we begin. Keep your finger in 2 Kings, because that's where we're going, right? Hebrews chapter 3. God is talking about Israel in the wilderness, and he says this about them in verse 10. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Do you know that in order for you to enter into his rest, you have to know his ways? You have to understand how he works, what he does. One of the things that upsets the children of God is God does things that we didn't expect him to do when we could have expected him to do them if we had just known his ways better. And that's what we're looking at on a Sunday night. We're looking to know his ways. We're looking to know how God works. Now, you know, we're, we're going through a lot of stuff that's hard to take. Tonight we're going to look at some stuff that's hard to take. We won't spend long on it, but we're going to look at some stuff that's hard to take. And um, you ask yourself, well, well, why? Well, it's not the stuff that's hard to take that we want to see. That's just the reality of where uh, people were at. Right? What we're looking to see is, we're looking to see where God is in all of it. What God's doing in all of it. 
Last time we looked at Jehu, and um, <clears throat> Jehu killed the two kings, and then he went on and he found Jezebel, and he killed Jezebel, and um, then he killed all the sons of the king. Right? <clears throat> now, that sounds like a pretty horrible thing to do, doesn't it? He sounds like a bloodthirsty individual. That's Jehu. But let me read you. <clears throat> Actually, if, you, if you're back in Second Kings, uh, just look back over the page to chapter 10 and verse 30. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, the children, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. Do you know that <clears throat> Jehu was rewarded for all the blood that he shed? God said, because you did it so effectively, because you did what I wanted you to do, and you destroyed Ahab and his household, I'm going to leave your children to sit on the throne till the fourth generation. Now, <clears throat> what does that tell us? But well, that tells us something about God. Maybe that tells you something about God that you're not very comfortable with. Maybe that tells you something about God, and you say, now, hang on a minute. You mean God, God commended all that? God, not only did God commend all that, but God ordered all that. Right? And um, we need to understand that, you know, sometimes God does things that you and I are not comfortable with. Now, he's not going to change. I, I can tell you that. He's not going to change. He's not going to shift uh, gears because uh, you don't like him. Uh, he's not looking to win the next popularity contest. He's not looking to win the next election. He's God. And he does what he does. And he's always right because he's always good. You know, what he did was good. What he did uh, in, in dealing with the situation of Ahab, he had promised he would do, he had said he would do, and he did it. And he even showed mercy in it. When Ahab repented so much, God held it off until after his days. But that's God. Not my, you, you might not be comfortable with that. I might not be comfortable with that, but that's God. That's who he is. And as much as we can wax eloquent about him being love, and that's true, we need to take into account, you know what? He is ruthless about his plans. He is ruthless about his plans. And you say, well, I don't, I don't like that. He didn't, he, did, he didn't ask you whether you liked it or not. He didn't, give you, he didn't give you a say in that. He just said, here I am. You and I need to learn his ways. We need to look at what he does and say, okay, that tells me something about him. And I need to bump out my false theology. In other words, my thinking uh, that makes God nice and friendly and never does anything nasty or mean. I need to bump that out with the reality of who he is. God's not playing around with this world. He's got a plan. He's working out a plan. And he's pretty ruthless about what he needs to do uh, in this thing. And, and he doesn't. So we need to understand that. We need to, we need to, we, we need to actually come to the place uh, where we take on board what it is that God is doing <clears throat> in this world, because he's, he's got a lot of things he's doing, and he's really not looking for us to actually um, <clears throat> agree with him or not. Now, here's another thing you need to understand. Um, <clears throat> you, you need to understand the world you live in. Is the world that we live in today better than the world that Israel lived in in the king's? Now, think about that for a second. Is it? No. Why is it not better? Because people are not better. Is it more restrained? Yeah. But you know what? Scratch deep enough under the surface and you'll find 
the same kind of wickedness uh, in the world today uh, as was in the world then. Now, so why are we so surprised when bad things happen? Why are we so surprised when people do mean things? Why are we so so shocked and horrified uh, when somebody does something to us that we don't like? Listen, we're living in a broken world. We're living in a broken world, and it's got all the problems of a broken world, and, and we're broken people. Now, there's, the, the good side of all of this is God and his plan. But we need to understand that what he shows us about the world uh, in the Word is telling us who he is and what he does and <clears throat> how he lives. Let me read you some. Read, read a book at the moment. It's called Broken Down, Down House, and it's talking about the world, right? <clears throat> Um, he says this, he says, in both its diagnoses and its descriptions, the Bible is honest about life in a fallen world. This honesty is a sign of God's love. He is the wise and gentle father preparing his child for that walk through a tough neighborhood on the first day of school. He is the faithful friend praying with you before you face an unusual challenge. He is the caring physician informing you of what to expect from the disease uh, he has just diagnosed. A primary goal of all this diagnosis, description, warning, comfort, and counsel, is to call us to a certain way of living. Why would you need to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, if you were not living in a community of flawed people where this kind of character is essential? Relationship in a fallen world, (coughs) relationships are hard. Ministry to flawed people is fraught with difficulty. Character is needed because the world is broken. In being honest, the Bible welcomes you to be honest as well. Uh, In its refusal to minimize, diminish, or deny the harsh realities of this broken-down house, the Bible calls us to face the facts as well. Things are not okay around us or inside us. The brokenness presses in on every side. And the Bible helps us to see that. Now, here's the choice you and I have. You and I can look at the Bible and we can say, oh, that's too hard, I don't want to see that. I'm just going to be a New Testamenter. Because, you know, the Old Testament, that's too hard. The things that happen in the Old Testament are too hard. You can look at it like that, and you can do it. Christians do that. But what's going to happen is you're not taking on board what God is telling you about his world. It's a broken world. Bad things happen. You, you, you can refuse to look at some things. No, you need to look at them, because you need to know how he works in these situations. You need to understand how God deals with his world. He's very good at dealing with his world. He's very good at working things out. And we're going to draw some conclusions tonight. First of all, the, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, at um, a new king uh, for the southern kingdom. Now, remember, we said it's important. The king for the southern kingdom is important because there has to be a son of David to sit on the throne. There has to be. By the way, who's the son of David sitting on the throne now? Jesus. He's the son of David. That's his throne. Um, But there has to be a son of David sitting on the throne. So God's going to work it out that there is. All right? That's a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this people. Now, Lord, would you bless us as we look to your word and help us, Lord. Lord, we love you. But, Lord, some of the things you do, Lord, uh, just hit us the wrong way. Help us to get our minds around it, Lord, and to realize that it doesn't affect your love for us and to realize, Lord, that you are in charge and you work all things out for good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. And when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, uh, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal, royal, right? Now, this is a granny with a vengeance, guys, right? Uh, Here's what she did. 
Uh, when Ahaziah, when Jehu killed Ahaziah, do you know what she did? She killed everybody that could take the throne. That was all Ahaziah's kids and anybody else around that might be a threat to the throne. Uh, that was her grandchildren. Now, now listen, you may have a granny that didn't like you and wasn't very nice to you, but you know what? You never had a granny like that, did you? Uh, she killed everybody. She just, and why? Because she wanted the throne. She, she was doing well as long as her, her husband was on the throne. She was doing well as long as her son was on the throne, but she couldn't trust the situation beyond that, so she said, forget this. I'm going to kill them all and take the throne for myself. Now, her plan was to take power. Satan's in the mix, though. Satan's looking now to destroy uh, the line of David, the line that's going to take us to the Messiah. Satan's looking to, but he's done that several times along the way. He's, he sought to destroy that line, uh, to destroy uh, <clears throat> the fact that there could be uh, a Jesus because he's, he's known the plan and, and known what God has said in the word and he sought to destroy it. So he's see, seeking to do one thing. Uh, he's got <clears throat> Athaliah all uh, fired up to do it. And so she kills all the children, anybody that can be a threat to her. Verse 2, but Jehoshiba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain, and they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah, so that he was not slain. I'm going to see that God always has a plan. God always has a way uh, to work things out. <clears throat> and he was with her, hid in the house of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds and the captains of the guard and brought them to him <clears throat> to the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. And he commanded them, saying, This is the thing that ye shall do. A third party of you, part of you shall enter in, and the Sabbath shall be keepers of the watch of the king's house. And a third part shall be at the gate of Shur, uh, and a third part at the gate behind the guard. So shall ye keep the watch of the house uh, that it be not broken down. And two parts of you all that go forth into the Sabbath, even they shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord uh, about the king. And ye shall compass the king round about, every man with his weapons in his hand. And he that cometh within the ranges, let him be slain. And be ye here with the king as he goeth out and as he cometh in. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And they took every man his men that were come uh, in on the Sabbath with them, that they should go out on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the captains over hundreds did the priest give and kings, King David's spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. And the guard took every man with his weapons in his hand round about the king's guard stood every man with his weapons in his hand round about the king from the right corner of the temple to the left corner of the temple along by the altar and the temple and he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony <clears throat> and they made him king and anointed him and they clapped their hands and said god save the king and when athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people she came to the people uh, into the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, behold, the king stood by a pillar in the, as the manner was, and the princes and the trumpeters by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew the trumpets. And Athaliah rent her clothes and cried, Treason, treason. But Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundreds, the, the officers of the host, and said unto them, Have her forth without the ranges, and him that followeth her kill with the sword. For the priest hath said, Let her not be slain in the house of the Lord. And they laid hands on her, and she went by the way by which the, the horses came into the king's house, and there was she slain. 
And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they should be the Lord's people between the king also and the people. And all the people of the land went into the house of Baal, Baal, and break it down. And the altars and his images break they in pieces thoroughly and slew Metan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. And he took the rulers over hundreds and the captains and the guard and all the people of the land. And they brought them down the king from the house of the Lord and came by the way of the gate of the guard guard to the king's house. And he sat on the throne of the kings and all the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet. uh, And they slew Athaliah with the sword beside the king's house. Seven years old was Jehoiash when he began to reign. All right. Now, great story. All right. So Athaliah kills all her grandchildren so she can have the throne. She takes over. She becomes queen. Uh, She rules for six years having no idea uh, that there is actually somebody uh, who has a right to the throne uh, that she doesn't have. Uh, um, <clears throat> she's the only queen, by the way, in either kingdom, the only one that ruled in either kingdom, right? And so Jehoiada the priest uh, finally produces uh, this son, uh, and they set him up, and he takes the throne, and he becomes king, and Athaliah is slain, she is killed. Now, <clears throat> several things happen here, right? First of all, her plan obviously is, uh, is gone, but God gets his way. There's a son of David to sit on the throne. There's a son of David that's going to sit on the throne. There's a son of David that's going to actually take over and rule and run. Now, there are some lessons we can learn from this. We don't need to spend a whole, a whole lot of time dealing with the issues uh, that we're looking at it, but there are some... Uh, it, Lessons that we need to learn from this. First lesson is this, right? Your friends count. How come a daughter of Jezebel, the most wicked king, uh, the most wicked queen in the northern kingdom, who had set her husband up to rule uh, wickedly, how come a daughter of Jezebel, because that's who Athaliah is, uh, is, becomes queen in the southern kingdom? How, how did that happen? I mean, we can see from Satan's perspective, Satan's always trying to infiltrate uh, the children of God uh, with his wickedness. He's always trying to mix the lines. But how did that happen? Well, it happened not because of Ahaziah's daddy. It happened because of his great-grandfather. It happened because of Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was a good king. Let me read you some of the things that Jehoshaphat did, because he was a good thing, a good king. He walked in the ways of Asa, his father, and he turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he destroyed the remaining Sodomites. Um, he, 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 he did a powerful work in, in basically turning the nation around uh, and seeing the nation revived and seeing things go. He, he did wonderfully. So how come this happened then? Well, here's what happened, you see. <clears throat> He made an alliance with Israel. Remember? He made an alliance with Israel. He made an alliance with Ahab, actually. Now, why did he make an alliance with Ahab? Well, the Bible doesn't say, but you know what? They were close neighbors. He wanted a friend that was powerful. Um, we, We could probably dream up a whole bunch of reasons. And it does seem like Jehoshaphat was a friendly kind of guy. But, but he made uh, an alliance with Israel. He decided that he was going to actually make an alliance uh, with, with Ahab and with his family. And Hanani the prophet in 2 Chronicles 19, 1 through 4, warns him. Now look there with me. 2 Chronicles 19, 1 through 4. 
He's been out to battle with Ahab. And in 19, chapter 1, he's on his way back. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, uh, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldst thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. You know what he did? He made friends with Ahab. Uh, he went to fight with Ahab. He said to Ahab, my men are as your men. I am as you are. And he went to fight with Ahab. And God was not happy with it because he was not supposed to make friends with those that hate the Lord. Do you think that might be important for us in this day and age too? Do you think that might be an issue for us? Now, you and I want to be friendly, don't we? You and I want to be like, that's just how we are. But do you think it might be important who you make friends with? Yeah, it's very important. You see, <clears throat> this alliance is going to uh, produce the wife that's almost going to destroy Jehoshaphat's family. He's going to produce... He's going to... Athaliah is going to get the throne and, and, and effectively set about destroying everything of Jehoshaphat's family. Now... <clears throat> God's warning him here. Wouldn't you think, being a good king, at the warning here, he'd say, okay, all right, you know what, that was, that was a bad idea. Um, <clears throat> I won't do that anymore. That was just ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what I was thinking. You know, God's warned me. I got off easy this time. Wouldn't you think that he would actually learn the lesson? But he doesn't. Look over chapter 20. Verse 35. Chapter 20 and verse 35. And after this did Jehosh Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. This is Ahab's son. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion Geber. Uh, then Eleazar, the son of Dodavan of Marish, uh, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself unto Ahaziah, uh, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, and they were not able to go to Tarshish. Now, this is a second warning for Jehoshaphat. He was not supposed to be doing this. His alliances were important. Uh, the people that he, that he spent time with were important. Now, again, I don't think the guy meant anything bad. I think he just wanted, wanted an ally. I think he wanted friends, and I think he was doing what he thought best in the situation. But you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't listening to God. Now, and he did listen to God because he did a whole lot of good stuff. But he had one flaw. He had one flaw in this area of friendship. He had one flaw where he wanted uh, to, uh, to be friends with these people and he wanted to make it work out. And that's the flaw that almost destroyed him. Can I say this to you? Be careful. Be careful who you make friends with. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you ally yourself with. Because those alliances, uh, those connections you make, those, those, those relationships that you develop, they can have a much greater impact on you than you can ever imagine. Do you know that, <clears throat> that um, Ahaziah, or <clears throat> Amaziah, sorry, we've got to get the, the, get the names all right, uh, <clears throat> that, that uh, Amaziah, when he got the throne, killed all his brothers. So you've got uh, Jehoshaphat, you've got uh, <clears throat> Joram, and then you've got Amaziah. He, he killed all his brothers. He destroyed them all. He, he killed them all. 
I mean, and, and, and then when he's dead, mom kills all the rest of the kids to make sure that, that, that there's nothing bad going, nothing, uh, <clears throat> nobody to, to, to counter her desire to actually rule. And, you know, it's all because of an alliance that the grandpappy made. Now, be careful. You don't know the, 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 the trouble and the difficulties that, uh, that will come into your life because of the alliances you make. Do you know there's some people you shouldn't be around? Do you know there's a thing called separation in the Bible? And it's actually a biblical doctrine. And there's sometimes where you should say, no, you know what? I'm not doing this. This is, this is, this is not good. I, 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 I'm not going to develop this relationship, uh, even though it might be nice, even though it might be, I'm just not going to develop this relationship because you know what? Uh, it's not going to be good for me. We need to listen to God. We're social creatures. We're affected by the people we're around. We're affected by the people that speak to us. We're affected by the people that, uh, that we're, we give our hearts to, that we let counsel us. And, you know, the Bible's full of stories uh, of where people let other people sway them in wrong ways. Right? <clears throat> uh, Jonadab uh, told the son of David, uh, Amnon, that it was okay for him to sleep with his sister. And Amnon did, ruined her life, and ends up getting killed for it. But Jonadab was his friend. And Jonadab told, you know, listen, you can listen to the wrong people in your life, and they can tell you the wrong things, and they can cost you more than you can imagine. We need to be careful. We need to make friends and make allies uh, of people that love God. That's what we need to do. We need to make friends and allies of people that love God. You see, your friends count. It's important. It's important who you and I spend time with. It's important who you and I listen to. It's important who you and I let influence us. That's important. You need to choose those things well because they can have ramifications in your life that you can't uh, imagine. Right, the second point I want to make to you is this. Right? Wickedness... Never pays. See, Amaziah reigned for one year only. Killed his six brothers, and, and he reigned for one year only. Athaliah, she would call it a reign, but I'm not sure that anybody else would call it a reign. She set herself up to be queen. Uh, she made herself queen, and she reigned for six years. And <clears throat> you know what happened? What happened was their line got wiped out. Her line gets wiped out. Ahab's family get completely wiped out. By the way, when you see the wickedness that's perpetrated from this family, do you think God was right in deciding that he was going to uh, remove them completely? It's a tough decision, wasn't it? But do you think it was right for God to do that? You know, God does some things that we find hard to take, but you know what? He knows it's right. What about the Amalekites? And their wickedness. Yeah, I had somebody explain to me once that, you know, I, remember when Saul was sent out to destroy all the Amalekites, man, woman, and children, their oxen, their everything was to go. It means a dreadful command, a dreadful command. <clears throat> but somebody pointed this out, out to me that they were a wicked people. And that because of their wickedness, they were going to continue to be wicked. Their children were going to be raised in wickedness. And their children were going to be raised effectively uh, for hell. And that when God cut off that line... He actually did something merciful for a whole bunch of people that would have been born. What about the nations of the Canaanites, the nations that, that, that lived in the land of Canaan when God sent the nation of Israel in? 
Again, there were wicked people. They had gotten so deeply into idolatry and gotten so deeply into wickedness uh, and cruelty and perversion of all kinds that God said it's time for them to be removed. You know, God's not afraid to make decisions that are hard. He's always right. He's always just. But we need to understand that, and we need to understand that wickedness never pays. Don't you see some people and you think, I'm not sure... That's right in that case. I mean, it looks like wickedness pays for that person. It looks like they're doing okay. They've done these dreadful things to me or to somebody else, and they seem to be getting along just fine. Well, the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. And it says that the wages of sin is death. And that's always true. God's promises on the negative and on the positive are always true. So when God says he's going to do something, uh, he's going to do it and it's going to happen. You see, God warned. Um, God, God warned Ahab what he was going to do to his family. He knew what he was going to do to his family. He told him. And yeah, Ahab repented a little, but he didn't change anything. And so God did it. You know, <clears throat> wickedness never pays. You may be tempted into wickedness because it looks like the, the, the right answer for something you need to do. It never pays. It, it always is going to cause. You may be tempted to exploit somebody else to get what you want. Don't do it. It never pays. You see, there's a God in heaven that sees everything that's going on. The ways of man are always before the Lord. He's looking at your life and he's looking at my life and, and he's watching everything we're doing and he's examining everything we're doing and he's actually working in our lives based on what we're doing. And the same is true with all those people out there too. Nothing, nothing gets by God. God's working in all of it. So somebody does you wrong, you can feel terribly bent out of shape. You can feel like that's not fair. <clears throat> Why did they get away with that? You know what? Don't worry about it. Just leave it in God's hands. You know, when the Bible says that you're to forgive, on your side, you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to let go. You're supposed to say, okay, uh, I'm not going after it. I'm not looking for payment. I'm not going to chase them down. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to go after it anymore. And you leave it in God's hands. And that feels kind of wimpy, doesn't it? But it's not wimpy because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. God says, I'll deal with the situation. They won't get away with it. I'll deal with the situation. I will make sure it's dealt with. I will make sure that, <clears throat> that the situation is dealt with. You know, you and I, we're his children. Listen, and he loves us, and he never stops loving us. But you know what? We don't get away with doing wrong. We just don't. Why? Because he's God, and he loves us too much to let us get, get away with doing wrong. And you don't get away with hurting somebody and, uh, <clears throat> you know, going on your merry way. You, you see things like that happen in the world, and you get frustrated because, you know... <clears throat> Um, how can that be? One situation in my life, and somebody who seems to have gotten scot-free away with all of it, did somebody else a dreadful wrong, and they seem to have gotten away. Nobody ever gets away with it. God is looking at the affairs of man. God is watching man's heart, and wickedness never pays. You know, <clears throat> it didn't pay for Ahab. It didn't pay for Jezebel. We saw that, didn't we? It didn't pay for the children. Pay, pay for the children. It didn't pay for Athaliah, and it didn't pay for Amaziah. It didn't pay for any of them. Wickedness never pays. You know, you and I have any sense? We live our lives as righteously as we possibly can. We live our lives open before the Lord. You know, that's what talking about lifting up holy, hand, holy hands means. I'm nothing to hide, Lord. 
Lord, you can look at my life and I have absolutely nothing to hide. That's the way you're supposed to live. That's the right way to live. Live before God where you have nothing to hide. Where, <clears throat> you know, you, but the rest of the world doesn't live that. Listen, don't worry about what the rest of the world does. God's in charge. He sees all of it. You just do right. You live right before him. You be honorable. You be a person of integrity and treat other people right. And listen, you be in the place where God can look at your life and God can be pleased with what he sees in your life. Just live the right way. It never pays to live with. It never pays to stroke somebody. It never pays uh, to uh, abuse or take advantage of somebody. It never pays. Don't do it. You live righteous and holy before uh, a holy God. Point number three, and then we're done, right? God always gets his way. This is kind of hard for us to bear, right? Because you and I have a thing called a free will, don't we? I can do what I like. What's, What's the point of me doing what I like if God always gets his own way in the end? But God always gets his own way. Okay, <clears throat> let's think it through in the, in the light uh, of what we're talking about. Jehoshaphat, uh, the good king who made the wrong choice in his alliance. Right? <clears throat> Did he? He was, he was perfectly free to do wrong, wasn't he? He did wrong. God said, don't do it. He did wrong. God said, don't do it. He, he was perfectly free to do wrong. Right? <clears throat> um, Amaziah <clears throat> was free to do wickedly, kill his brothers. Athaliah was free to murder her grandchildren. Wasn't she? That was all. They were all. They could all do that. They could all actually take and they, they could do wrong, and um, <clears throat> they could do wrong. And at least it looked like they were getting away with it, didn't it? It looked like Athaliah had it all sewn up. She'd killed everybody. There was nobody to contest the throne. There was nobody with a closer call on the throne than her. So she had it all sewn up. But then God swings in with something he has done. She gets dethroned and she gets killed. And God puts his man on the throne. Because God always gets his own way. Now understand this. This is a critical issue for you and I to understand in our lives. Listen, there's a lot of things that go on between what God wants us to do and what we actually do and him getting his own way, but he always gets his own way in the end. Always. Always. And he won't force you to do what he wants you to do to get it. He never has to. Now, you say, how does that work out? It works because it's God. Here you've got all these people doing their own thing, going their own way, doing their own will, and God is in the background, and when the time is right, he steps into the situation, and just like that, he puts his man on the throne. So here's the way you and I live. You and I live with this glorious thing called a free will. I can get up in the morning and I can do what I like. I can get up in the morning and I can go and do people wrong. I can rob. I can cheat. I can steal. I can do whatever I like in the morning. God's not going to stop me from doing it. But do you know that God will get his own way anyway? And he's in charge. You see, God gives you a free will. But it's like this. It's like he says, look, here's what I want from you. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm going to achieve and here's where I'm going, and, and here's what I want you to do as part of that. And we all know, everybody here knows what God wants them to do. You know, you might not know the long-term picture, but you do know what God wants you to do today. Uh, you know what God wants you to do tomorrow. You know. 
you know, he, he doesn't hold that back, at us, uh, back from us. He says, look, here's where I'm going. Here's what I'm going to achieve. And I, I, I want you to do this in it. Now, you can choose to do what God wants you to do and enjoy blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Can't you? I mean, is it possible for you and I to serve God and not be blessed? Is it possible that somehow he's not a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? Is it possible that you can actually do right, serve God, and end up getting a raw deal? Is that possible? You need to be sure in your mind that that's not possible. That's totally not possible. God promises you. God says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. He's God. He's in charge. He rules. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, you know, in every area of my life where I will do what God wants me to do, I can expect reward blessing. Now, don't get me wrong. not saying that you won't have trouble. You're going to have trouble. You need trouble. I need trouble. We all need trouble. We all need difficulties in our life. And God's going to take and use those difficulties uh, to draw me closer to him. But I cannot serve him with all my heart and not be blessed because he's in charge. Now, I have this thing called a free will. I can stand against him and do my own thing and go my own way, and I will have trouble. What else would you expect? Right? You know, when Athaliah killed all the kids, Athaliah killed all the kids, you know, she wasn't thinking, oh man, am I going to pay for this? Oh boy, am I going to... She wasn't, she wasn't thinking of any of that at the time. She was just thinking what she wanted, but you know what? She was going to get trouble. You're always going to get trouble when you do wrong. Always. Always. Sometimes it's instant, sometimes it takes a while, but you're always going to get trouble when you do wrong. And you're always going to get blessed when you do right. Always. But understand this, that whatever you decide to do, God's going to get his way in the end anyway. God's going to bring about what he wants to bring about. And so here's really what God is doing. God is inviting you to have a part of what he's doing. He's inviting you in to have a part in what God is doing. He's inviting you to trust him and do it his way and be a part of what he's doing. And he'll bless you and reward you for it. But he's saying, you don't have to. You can make your own choice. But now think about it, right? <clears throat> Just from our story tonight, Jehoshaphat's up in heaven. Right? <clears throat> and I think he was a godly man. I think that's where he went, right? But he looks down and he, and, he, and he sees what's happening in his family. First of all, all his grandsons get killed because their brother kills them. And then all his great-grandchildren are killed by granny. What do you think Jehoshaphat's thinking? Jehoshaphat's thinking, why didn't I listen to God? Why didn't I do things God's way? Why didn't I actually <clears throat> reject this friendship, this alliance? Because it was bad. I, sh- I should not have gone that way. Okay, <clears throat> you know, uh, when Amaziah is uh, on the run from Jehu and Jehu's men are going to kill him, what's he thinking? He's thinking, I shouldn't have killed my brothers. I should have gone God's way. I should have done things God's way. What about Athaliah? When they're chasing her and, the, and this son has been turned out and turned up and, and they found her. I should have gone God's way. What about Jezebel when she gets thrown out the window? I made the wrong choice. 
What about Ahab? Listen, do you know what? Everybody who goes their own way and does their own thing lives to regret it and will regret it in eternity. And everybody that goes God's way and does things God's way lives to be grateful that they did and will rejoice in eternity. All right? Now, so you're not dumb. Okay, I'm not dumb. All right? You know what I want to do? I want to do everything I possibly can do to achieve what he has set before me to do it his way. Everything. Right? Everything. I got obstacles in my mind and in my heart. I want to get rid of all those so I can do what he wants me to do. I want to live for him. I want, I, I want to just do it God's way. Because that's what makes all the sense in the world, isn't it? I, I don't want to end up regretting huge swathes of my life because I did it my own way. I want to live God's way. Because he's in charge. He's in charge. There's, there's, there's not a chance of me ever putting one over on God. I, I want to live his way. Lord, help me. You know what I think tonight, too? I think you do, too. Now, I think you might be saying, oh, it's easy for you to say. But I think, you know, you, you kind of recognize truth because truth, truth resonates with us, doesn't it? Truth just connects with us. We, we kind of get it when truth is spoken. I think you do too. I think you want to live God's way. I think you want to do everything God's way, don't you? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand for prayer? And you just between you and the Lord, the piano will play quietly, and just between you and the Lord, you just say, Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to live your way. Lord, I'm not able. I'm not able. In my, in my own flesh, I'm just not able. But Lord, that's what I want. I want to do it your way. I don't want to do the dumb stuff that gets me in trouble. Lord, I want to do it your way. Do you think God would be pleased to hear that from you tonight? I think God created the world for that. I think he created the world so that a people would make him number one and say, I want your way. I think that's what he harvests from the world. I think that's what it's all about. I think that's why he sent his son. I, listen, I think God will hear that tonight. And you know, you and I are not able. But you know, when we put ourselves in that place where we want it, when we're willing, he's got the power. So I think you could make a decision tonight that would be powerful, that would please God, and that would change your life and your legacy. Lord, I want it your way. I want it all your way. Lord, help me. And he would hear you. That's time we're going to pray. And then at the piano plays quietly. Uh, you can just do business with God. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, it's a tough word. But, oh, Lord, we see you in it. And, Lord, <clears throat> we see your ways. Lord, help us to know your ways that we may find rest in you. Now, Lord, would you bless your people. We're coming to you tonight, Lord, and we're asking you to work in our hearts. Lord, may decisions be made that are real and true. And though we can't keep them as a people, Lord, with your help, our lives can be changed and we can live a different way. Now, Lord, would you bless each one that needs to make that commitment to you. Lord, would you bless them and would you hear them and would you work changes in their lives in Jesus' name. Piano plays. You just do business with God right where you are. Father, we thank you for hearing us. We do ask in our Lord that you would take and change some lives. And Lord, that there would be a difference made in eternity and that you would be pleased even this night. In Jesus' name, amen.